He's the madman from Mississippi. He's known as the Compire County Killer. His hands have been dubbed the Grim Reapers. He's the founder of a roofing company. He has his own podcast and he's even a bail bondsman. Mr. Bubba Melbro. What's going on, brother? How you been? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. How are you? Just getting back from sunny Florida, the sunshine state. Some of the gangsters call it the gunshine state. No, spent about a week down in Destin, man. Got some rays. Caught me that, uh, that nice glow about my skin now. So now we can go out and hit these roofs for now this week. Beautiful, man. I, full disclosure, I go, I just go like a lobster. I don't get that glow, but I'm glad you do. Let's go. I drink from skulls. Drink from the skulls of my enemies. Well, for the benefit of everyone following along, who is Bubba? What are you up to? What are you doing? Talk us through it. So I'm a product. I'm a savage ass dude, but I'm a product of setbacks, letdowns, and self-destruction, man. I've been through the ringer. I've been to hell and back. I've, I've been and done seen it all. Kind of feel like a modern day Forrest Gump, bro. My dad was a drunk man. He was never around. Um, my mom battled with addiction. Yeah, you know, I've had hard days growing up. I, I didn't have no glorious, but no glorious, you know, childhood. I had fun childhood, but I look back now and I appreciate every moment of it because it built me into the person I am today. Gave me determination and growth and it meant in the skill to uh, want to grow and become a much better version of myself. Uh, I failed, but, you know, besides that, that's, my, that's where my self-destruction comes in. Old habits sneak back up on me, man. And um, I hate that it happens, but it does happen. Now, I work really hard to try to break those habits. And, you know, so I'll have to run into that cycle, keep on, keep on doing the same. But, you know, I do a lot of personal development to, to keep from doing that. Um, but like I said, I fail. Uh, I'm not perfect human being. I fail. But, yeah, personal development and uh, good meditation to help get you, get you where you want to be. Love that. And you weren't always a roofer. Let's talk a little bit about before, you know, what you used to do before roofing, because I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. So I, um, I started out, I was, I was working shutdowns and shutdowns and uh, paper mills. And, you know, and that was around 2007, 2008, I started training mixed martial arts. And, uh, that was really my full-time gig because the shutdowns and paper mills, I'd make good money, but it was only like 14 to 21 day jobs. I didn't make enough money. I was a single man. I had no kids, had no family. And when I wasn't working in the refineries, I was training to fight. I was, that was, took about four to six hours of my day. And then at night, I was a bouncer or a bar back at, at the local bar near town. Did that for eight years. Uh, mixed martial arts, kind of got out of that. Continued working. Um, that's when I kind of went back to full-time working in refineries as a, as a quality control inspector, a welding inspector. And I was going through a custody battle with my oldest child at the time. It took a lot of money, time, and resources, man. And uh, so I just kind of put the fight on the back burner. I never knew if I was going to fight again. 2019, well, 2018, they had a new organization roll up on the scene here in the U.S. uh, BKFC, Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. I was watching. I was watching my buddies fight for them here in Mississippi. I was like, damn, these are some guys that, you know, we trained with for years. I trained with for years in, uh, I said, damn, that looks really cool. That's my style of fighting. That's like, you got to be a savage motherfucker to do that. You know, that's my style of shit. So 2019 rolled around. I'm 280 pounds. They called me up. They said, hey, you want to fight? I'm like, yeah, I'll fight. This was April of 20, mid 2019. Yeah, April of 2019. They said, well, we'll call you when we get the final card together, let you know if you made it or not. I was like, all right. 
I didn't do shit. I kept on eating and drinking and doing living my day to day life. They called me May twentieth. They said, "Hey, you on the card? August seventh. Get ready to fight. What you want to fight at?" Like I said, I'm two hundred eighty pounds, and I said, "I don't want to fight at heavyweight." So let's do a catch at heavy. I said, "Let's do two fifteen. I was thinking, I was calculating. I was like, "I think I can make that." Man, that was a hard two and a half months of just. I was working two hours. I was working. I was working night shift thirteen hours in uh, California. I was working working out two hours before work. I was working out two hours after work. I was working thirteen hours a night, and um, I went from two eighty and uh, I showed it for the weigh in. My scale said I was two sixteen. That motherfucker lied to me. I got to the official scale and they said I was two seventeen. It's one hundred and ten degrees outside here in Mississippi. I'm out there walking, sauna suit, sweats on this black asphalt parking lot for about twenty minutes. To cut that last pound. I'm dead. I'm dead. I get the call. It's live live weigh ins. You need you need to be in here now. I run in, dry off, put me some some dry underwear on, jump on the scale, 216 on the dot. I, I'm so dehydrated, I can't even talk. Like my voice box is gone. I can't, I'm like, can I, can I get something to drink? They're like, yeah, you're good to go. Boom. You know, I fought. Didn't win that one, man. Still under contract with them. So uh, I'm, I'm gearing up. Hopefully I can get something in there. You know, it depends if we get some of these kinks worked out with the company. Um, see if I can get back in there by the end of the year. You know, I had another catch it heavy because I'm still I'm I'm pretty heavy right now, but not as heavy as then. You know, as I was then. But I think I could I could definitely do another two fifteen fight. You know, before kind of moving moving down to cruiserweight or light heavy. Yeah, nice, man. That cut that would have uh, that would have tested you. Yeah, that cut was tough, man. I, I think because that early in my earlier days, I would cut twenty pounds. It was no problem. I cut 20 pounds in a week of water weight. It was never an issue for me. I, I, I'm assuming now, just because I'm a little older, it's just tougher on me now. It was a tougher recovery. I've never had to do an IV drill. Uh, it was never really mandatory for me to, because I would just rehydrate with Pedialyte and water and, and, you know, get carb up. But after that cut, man, I had to go to a hydration station, hit two IVs, because I was uh, hurting pretty bad. It's, it's, it definitely takes a lot of mental fortitude to do that. I think that's the biggest part of the game is getting through the the mental aspect because the fight game is really just 70, 80% mental, 20% physical. It's, I mean, it could be 80% physical if your ass ain't in shape, but, but you know, 70, 80% of that is just really mental. And that's, it's, I guess that sort of steals you for being in business as well, having the, you know, there's not too much you haven't gone through in terms of difficulty, whether it was working 12, 13 hours, 14 hour shifts, training before and after or to facing the challenges we do as business owners. So have you found that that, that strength and the mental fortitude from, from fighting and, you know, even fighting that day when you probably shouldn't, <laughs> you, it wasn't ideal, put it that way. It's very difficult to fight when you've been through that sort of a cut. That's right, man, because I weighed in at 216. Although I did rehydrate properly and did everything I needed to, I walked in the ring at 240, but when you're fighting at a guy that's, like he he was already at two he was already walking around at that weight he didn't have to cut no weight so I'm at two forty I'm heavy I'm here on my feet now this dude you know he he was a lot lighter on his feet because he was able to move around faster even though, I mean I can move good to be a big guy but he was a lot lighter on his feet and I come in really heavy yeah. on my feet I didn't you know it's just it, I was real sluggish in the fight but it is what it is but going back to your question yeah it does man because when people tell me shit's hard I look at him and kind of chuckle because I'm like man you ain't never dealt with hard shit if this is hard. You've never dealt with that in your life. I remember in the ninth grade, 
coming home from school one day to get to get some clothes. I was staying at a buddy's house, been staying at his house for a couple of weeks, man. You know, like I said, I, I didn't grow up in the ideal conditions, but I'm walking through the house, man. There's crack pipes all over the house. And I walk in my room and there's this crackhead laying up on my bed with my clothes on. And um, I, instead of firing me, man, and got my shit, got to, but you know, you know, when I go through stuff like that in my life, you know, you know, living in a camper built in like 1970, had no insulation in the middle winter. It's, and I made it through, man. I look at things when, and they're easy. Shit's easy for me because I've been through a lot of adversity. And I think people that's never dealt with adversity in their life growing up, you know, they had the silver spoon uh, effect from their parents that when the life, life's going to fuck them hard if they um, they don't, you know, put themselves in some hard positions to to kind of build some character at the, in the moments. And fighting did that for me. Fuck between fighting and all the bullshit I went through growing up, I, I think it helped, all the adversity helped me uh, become mentally strong. I'm mentally strong. I'm, I'm a bullheaded individual. It's no, it's the best answer anybody can give me because I'll prove a motherfucker wrong quick, you know. Yeah. And I, and I don't, and I don't think a lot of people's been told no enough. Uh, that's just my opinion. There's not a lot of people who gets told no a lot, especially this day and age. We live in a soft world now, yeah. where it would word no is just like taboo to a lot of people. I agree, hundred percent. I'm gonna have sort of change change tunes a little bit here because you did start the roofing business not long after that i'd love to hear about what gave you the idea what led to it all right so in 2020 covid hit i got laid off i, I was a welder inspector i was i was making really good money at the time got laid off in march of 2020 i had a, a little girl on the way she was gonna be born six weeks after i got laid off there was no site for me to come back to work nobody knew when we you know, we were going to be able to come back into the refinery. Uh, but COVID was the biggest blessing for me because it took away my plan B. Uh, the Always falling back, kind of failed it before that, business ownership before that. So when things got a little tough and hard, I could just always go back to my to to the refineries and make really good money uh, as, a, as a subcontractor. And it was really easy for me to do that because I was really good at the skill set I, I chose as a quality control inspector. And yeah. went to... It, I had a buddy that was working in the plants and he was like, man, he said, you need to check out this roof and stuff. I learned, I learned, you know, how to do insurance claims and stuff. And I was like, I blew him off for a little bit because I was, had a COVID cleaning business and we know how COVID played out. Shit faded. The business faded. And then I got up with him one day and said, man, just come work with me for like a week. Come see me for a week. And he said, I'm going to teach you some stuff. I literally learned the basics. And I was like, man, this is really not that hard. He's like, it's easy, bro. If I can do it, you can do it. You're way smarter than I am. I was like, yeah. all right. Still didn't pull the trigger um, at that point. That was January of 2021. Uh, I had an opportunity to go back into the plants. Went back into the plants for seven weeks. Made a pretty good chunk of money. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to start the roofing company now. Went to MDM 2021. 20, talked with um, a couple roofers there. And then I was like, all right, I'm sorry. I'm starting one. Let me back up a little bit. I missed a key part of this whole story. I missed a key part. So when I was work, I was working with him. I door knocked his house, and I gave this dude the estimate and everything. MDE. That was in that was in January of 2021, April of 2021. MDM happened. I'm sold. I'm like I'm starting a fucking reefing company now. May of 2021. Dude calls me. Says, Hey, this is. I remember, dude. I live on. 
I'm shouldn't be saying this, but in in this city, I was like, I know you are. He was like, Can you still do my roof for this amount? I didn't know if I could or I couldn't. I didn't know if I was gonna make money or lose money. I said, "Fuck yeah, I can." Eat. So, boom, went down there, got the deposit check, man. I, I literally started probably the worst way possible. No license, no insurance, no other. I had nothing. I sold, you know, just giving me a check with my name on it. He gave me half the check with my name on it, and I could deposit my account to get the material. Found a crew, man. They did a jam up job for me. That's kind of how we got started. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, just one little opportunity, and then you can, yeah, you, one you found a way man. to make it work. So that's cool. That's crazy too. Yeah, I mean, I was rolling the fucking dice. Yeah, <laughs> but worth definitely worth a shot. And you, so you went to a million dollar mastermind connected with some some players some some movers and shakers and you went all right i can do this shit what happened next yeah and then we get to bumping and rolling hurricane ida hits and hurricane ida helped us generate the revenue to kind of move forward in 2022 yeah i realized during hurricane ida that how important systems and processes were because up until that point i didn't know nothing about some little process i'm still kind of um dumb to it to this day i do a lot of studying on it and still a lot of it's like greek to me um some people some people it's easy for but i try to put it in the best terms possible you know kind of like how i run my household like you know the process of when my children they take your socks off you don't just throw them in the middle of the floor you put them in the basket you know so i kind of run try to operate my but that system worked well for us to hit the two million dollar mark but now we're trying to go to the five million dollar mark and that system no longer applies it's too too simple right there, there there's only it works a little bit but like when you, we're trying to add in commercial and stuff that process simply just isn't working anymore. so we try to find a more a little bit more complex complex i think that's the word i'm looking for a little bit bigger of a process something that helped move things smoother and the bigger project smoother through the through the uh pipeline versus you know all these small jobs I'm trying to get away from the small shit man i'm trying to decrease the liability by doing bigger jobs and charge and having in charge of more, right? So I don't want to do I don't want to do two or three hundred roots a year. You know, I want to do five million at you know, say a hundred roots, hundred and fifty roots a year, you know, yeah. just add in jobs. I don't want to do two, three hundred roots to hit that number because that just increases the liability on the company. And I'm trying to minimize liability and grow and grow the revenue. And that's the only way to do is just get the bigger jobs. So the process we had did not it wasn't applicable to the bigger jobs. So we had, yeah. you know, a consultant to help us with that. Um, 2022, again, we, that's when we hit our 2 million. And, you know, we went into 2023 and now we're like, shit. All right. We, that's when we realized that the processes we had just wasn't working. And we just had to bring in a consultant to kind of help us navigate some shit, rewrite some shit, and move some things around. Bring in some key players, you know, as we talked about earlier, we, uh, before we started recording, you know, got to have those hard conversations with some of the employees I do have you know, on staff now, they're just, you know, not cutting it right now. And, and you know, it's hard to justify costs when, you, when you're trying to grow at scale. Every dollar really counts, uh, with, you know, for your market. You know, that's where we're at right now, man. We're, we're here and we're just about to end Q2. Um, are we going to hit 5 million this year? I don't know yet. Yeah. It's still up in there. We might, we might not. It just really depends if, if we can really put some key players in the places that we need them, hit the big jobs. We got some big shit on the books, but we – 
we, we also got to have those key players to make sure these jobs go right. Because if they go wrong, it will fuck us as a company. And I don't want that to happen. I will turn down a job, you know, before that happens. And I don't want that to happen. So we got to get the key players in place. That makes sense. Something you mentioned just then that really stood out to me is like, there's two things there. Number one, um, what got you here won't get you there. It's a famous saying. There's books on it. But it makes a lot of sense, right? Like you experienced this really quick growth, hit zero to two mil, rapidly repeated it year two. Again, it's a great result. And you can do that with very limited systems, processes, and people. And some for some people, that's right. That's what they want to do. And that's where they want to play. And that's cool. It's more about like figuring out what you want in life, what you want out of your business. But what, what got you to the two mil ain't going to get you to five, six, or eight. And to that next levels because there's levels to this shit we see it we, we know a lot of people that are doing it you know you're living and breathing that and it's the same with with people right like those those same people might not have the skill sets to go to that next level and that's cool that is all part of this journey it might be hard for people to hear that but that's literally how it works right like they had a certain skill set that helped you get to this point and maybe the recruitment wasn't as dialed in as it needs to be now because a lot and i'm talking generally for a lot of roofing companies a lot of people, when we're starting out, we'll give anyone a go. It might be family, friends. This is something I learned from the, the business consultant that helps companies that we work with scale. Initially, that, that might be the right move, but then it has to be a little bit more sophisticated. You've got to figure out who's going to help you get to that next level. And then having someone who can hold your hand through that process, it, it makes a lot of sense, hey? Yeah, because you want to eliminate as many fuck-ups as possible without having to experience the fuck-ups. So, and that, that saves you time, money, and resources, man. If you can eliminate them on the front end instead of the back end, then it, it's a win for you as a company, and it saves you a lot of time and money. Like I said, resources. Uh, so I, I'm a big proponent on mentorship, man, consultant. I'm not, I tell anybody, I'm, I I know a lot, but there's a lot that I don't know as well. And if, if I don't, if I'm not 100% dialed in on something, I'd rather just pay the money Bring somebody in to help me help navigate me through that. That way I don't spend a year, two years uh, of screw up, trial and error, and not getting anywhere but spending my tires in, uh, in mud. So trying to eliminate that on the front end. A lot of small businesses, especially in our area uh, where we're at, you know, a lot of small businesses don't lean on that. They they like to play the small game. They make enough just to make a, a year's salary and they work their fingers to the bone, no different as if they were working in a and uh, for another company, they work their dicks in the dirt, and then they just want to know why, at the end of their day, why they're still just as unhappy, you know, the day they pass away, that they were when they were working for another soul. It's 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 cool and all, but you don't you 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 build a company and a business, in my opinion, to give back your time, not to exert more time. And I see a lot of yeah. people working, and it, on the front end, you have to put in time. I still put in time. Matter of fact, like I said, well, I t- we already talked about what's happening tomorrow. I already know I'm going to have to double down. I'm going to have to start picking up some, you know, where, where they were slacking. I'm going to have to pick up them them two roles until we get somebody in to pick them up. Yeah. I'm having to build the sales guy. I'm one of the sales guys. I, I'm, I'm the biggest closer of our company, whereas most owners should be if, if you're, you know, still, we're still refresh, man. We're still, we're just getting started. We're two years in, going maybe not two years, going on three years. Well, we're just getting started. I'm still having to put in time, but at a year or five, I don't want to be putting in that time. I want other people. I want, I'd rather pay somebody to put in that time than me putting in that time because I value time over money. I like money, but I value my time over my money all day. 
I, I won't even get in a fucking drive through line if they got more than three cars in that son of a bitch because I don't want to waste time in the drive through line. They're going to piss away time. Me sitting there waiting on him to get my burger right. I already know they're going to put onions on the son of a bitch. That's important. We, we here at the I Drink from Skulls podcast, we don't hate money. We don't hate money, but we love time even more. Yes. The number one thing that I'm speaking to guys, we speak to roofers, home improvement guys every day of the week. And being in a position or having the mindset to be able to replace yourself so that the business can run with or without you, that's probably the number one thing that comes up, And it's but it's not the number one thing that people are thinking about. So I think it's cool that you're going through that process, you know, two years in, two years in the books, going into year three, and you're really working hard. And there is a lot of sweat equity. There is an extra investment in time wearing all the hats right now. But you've got the mindset that you want to be, you know, five mil this year, probably 10 mil in the next few years. You want to be a $10 million company and you don't want to have to wear all the hats. So you're doing the groundwork right now to get out of that, those spots um, so that you, you you can get more time with your kids, you can have more time with your family, and you've got a business that works for you, with you, and, and does the things that you want out of it. I think that's really important. Yeah, I agree. It's super important, man. And, I think, and if anybody's struggling with this, and you know, what, it doesn't matter what the business is, if you're struggling with this, and it, you, you've done a lot of trial and error shit, and look, chalk up the money. There is a mentor out there. There is a consultant out there. Hey, make sure they had a proven system. Don't just go hire some damn internet guru. Make sure they have a proven system to to help navigate you through the bullshit to get you on the other side of it a lot quicker. Because if not, you're gonna spend more years just pissing away, pissing away time, pissing away money, and pissing away resources because you want to try to save some money on the front end. Spend the money on the front end, you'll make a lot more on the back end. Hundred percent. The way I look at mentors too is it is that shortcut someone to hold your hand, someone who's done the things that you want, that's the key. You can. There's tons of them out there. There's a handful that are very good. So if anyone needs help with that, reach out to either of us. We can direct you in the right direction. Just on that, my good man, where do you see the opportunity in roofing this year? Where, like, where do you see the opportunity? You kind of mentioned some stuff about it before. Is it focusing on the bigger work, like the more sophisticated stuff? Yeah, we're trying to target more to the high-end clients, the commercial jobs, uh, to help hit those numbers because we are like i said we're halfway through the year and if we don't really focus on that alone um and get the key players in place for those projects and then we, we won't hit our target and i think that's the main focus hitting the higher end clients hitting the bigger subdivisions um hitting the you know the the designer roofs uh hitting the the flat roofs things of that nature well we, we plugged in tight with a lot of the the county work around us a lot of the well, I'm out. I go out shaking hands with politicians, man. I'm kind of like a politician myself. Some days I feel like I go out and I, I, you know, I do a lot of lunches with politics and stuff. That way, you know, we get a lot of the county and the city work whenever they, because we're the first person in mind that they know we 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 do. Everybody knows us in this area, so they know we're going to capitalize on anything, any project they give us. So that's our main focus right now is the the hiring clients, hiring residential. In our area, you know, you get a you get anything over five hundred bucks a square. You own some shingles, boy, you bang it. You know, some areas that's like low, that's low money. But here in Mississippi, that's high, that's high dollar shit. Um, you know, yeah. so we hit hiring shingle jobs. We hit no slate towel. We use you see that towel stuff behind us. Um, we got a a towel client right now. We're we're at appraisal with you know 
that's going to help get us there. And, you know, we got a couple more in that neighborhood that's got towers. It's going to help get us there as well. But like I said, we got to have the right people manage those jobs, make sure we do those jobs to a T. That way we don't get that bad route. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to fuck it. I don't want anything less than a five star on my Google reviews. So we really, really strive to please the client to get that at the end. But yeah, commercial and higher end residence clients is going to get us there by the end of the year. How are you approaching getting, like you mentioned a little bit there, but how are you approaching landing those types of clients? You've taken the politician's approach? I, I'm, a bit, I'm a big proponent on building relationships with, yeah. I would say, high net worth people, but not in the sense of money or values, high influential people, should I say. People that have influence over other people. So if I could sell one person on 3B construction and roofing and they could sell 10 people on them, they, did my, they, they made my job easy. And that's kind of like our bank. I'm a real good friends with the with the um, the, the branch manager of, of the big bank downtown uh, where I bank. We just got a commercial job from them on building that they're buying. We build, like I said, build a relationship with the politicians on the hiring client stuff. You know, we kind of target those areas with our SEO, our Google Guarantee stuff. We kind of target those areas, especially in those neighborhoods where we we. Uh, put our location on our phone that way when they search our google guarantee shows up because they searching for a roof or boom we pop up in their neighborhood and we just kind of target those bigger areas we we don't turn away turn our backs on the single and double wide trailers we we knock those out as well but we're trying to get away from that we don't want to be that that contractors the contractors in there that could service those people that are a lot more affordable than i am but we're trying to hit the the higher end clients that i've found and this is just my opinion that they're easier to work with versus the the lower end clients where it's like pulling teeth to get your final payment. You know, the, the higher end clients, they don't mind writing you that fast at the end. And then that's just my opinion. Some other people might be, you know, have a different opinion on that. It's just my, from my experience. I've experienced with, with the clients that we've had. And then that's about all the marketing we, we got going on right now, man. Word of mouth. Um, we got our first billboard going up right here in town. We were able to suck it up at a steel. So, you know, that that type of thing. I got mailers going out to the hell hit areas in our town. The country club. I live right a half a mile from the country club here. It has a lot of big housing. We 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 sheet marketing over there and we're constantly door knocking over there. Uh, we're sucking up jobs over there. We're going over to eat lunches with the with the golf players that are probably or the doctors and the judges in the town, you know, buying their lunch and stuff. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's just, and that's kind of where we're at right now on the marketing and things. Like I said, some things are, we, we've wasted a lot of money, a lot of, on a lot of employees that just went capitalizing, you know, on our general fund of our company is kind of, kind of got lower than we like. And so it's kind of like, we're just trying to stop, put a hold to everything and until we can get back on the right track. And we're still doing good money, but I still I, there, there's there's a number that I like to keep my accounts, and we're not there, man. I get so I just try to make sure we're still doing all the right things while we're going through these changes uh, with the company. And I'm sure I appreciate that honesty too, because um, everyone goes through that, and it's it's not a it's it's a it's like it's very common, right? Like when you're growing and scaling, um, you don't have all the answers initially. You bring on people, maybe the the onboarding, um, the training processes aren't as dialed in as they will be once you've worked with the high end consultant who's done this stuff for you, bef- like done it before. Or alternatively, you you without knowing, you bring on the wrong person too. So you, everyone lands in this spot, and 
it's one thing I've learned with the labor market in Australia, America, and pretty much anywhere in the world right now, it's tough. It's tough to find really good quality people. Um, there is a million different opportunities. There's also a little bit of a undertone of people, you know, the, the working mindset has changed in the last three years. I think everyone can agree with that. And it's just a different place right now, whether it's roofing, marketing, anywhere, anything, anywhere. I've, I've noticed it. So the key is to keep putting in the work, right? Which is what you're doing and going through that process. Yeah. Yeah. Keep putting one foot in front of the other, put in the work, not slack off and, and just keep inching forward. You know, not every day is going to be a, you know, a home run. You know, you might just, you might get a base hit, you know, but you got to just keep moving forward. If you don't do that, it, it'll, it'll, it'll drown you. It'll pull you under, man. You don't want to do that shit. And I, I definitely don't want to do that. Uh, I've, I've been doing, like I said, enough in life that I don't want to have them setbacks. I, that's why I'm trying to put in the time, like some money resources now to kind of get us through it without, uh, too much of a, a a hard hit on us. I love that, and like a base hit for me from what you just explained is going to you know we we identify who we want to help, and they are the, the people of influence. You know they have a bit more income, and the reason why you need to target them is because you you are paying for insurance, you are investing in your staff, you do have a lot more expenses on the bottom line than what some of these tech like quote unquote competitors do have. So you need to aim at the higher end of the market and you have a better product and service to deliver and it, that's where it needs to be. But a base hit to me, you're going to the country club. You're going where the, you're figuring out, okay, judges, politicians, people of influence, that's where they're hanging out. That's one place they're hanging out. So we want to be where they're at. I love that. That's a base hit. Buy them lunch. That's another base hit. Just winning these little micro wins over and over and over again and you become the person that they go to when they need a roof. So that's, I love that strategy. I feel like if you can sell one person that could sell 10 people for you, it's an easy win, man. And it's free, it's free marketing, man. You know, I, so I built my name here just from my, in my area just from my fight, my fight career. A lot of people know me. People trust me. A lot of people believe in me because they've seen where I started and they see where I'm at now. Um, that's known me for a long time, you know, and – that helps. That helps a lot. You know, what was a good motherfucker? You really deal with him. He's going to make sure he takes care of you. That type of thing. The good old boy system out here in South Mississippi. Yeah. I think I'd fit in well there. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, I got to get there. <laughs> yeah, when you get over, there's some fried chicken. Yes, I would love that. <laughs> I'm going to buy a cowboy hat, eat some fried chicken. I'll get right into it. I'll even put on an accent right here. <laughs> you gotta see it let's see it let's change tunes a little bit you have a podcast blue collar alliance you have a facebook group there's lots of traction with both of those from what i've seen looks pretty cool um let's talk a bit about that yeah so when i was working in the refineries man and this would kind of struck the idea for me when i was kind of exiting you know trying to navigate through getting out of the plants that happened in 2017 i got custody of my oldest son had my second son on the way, and I'm like, man, I really don't want to be working on the roads all the time. That's kind of where I started my entrepreneur journey. I would, you know, I dabble in this. I, I had this this shiny penny syndrome. I think that's what they call it, shiny object syndrome, whatever the fuck they call it. I would think I was chasing, I was chasing, I was chasing. I was never really dialing in on one thing. But you know, through through that time, I was doing a lot of growth, personal development, growth training, and I was still seeing these these people in the plants that still lived with this old mentality of. Just don't. That's the only thing they're good for is the job that they're, they're the craft that they were. Man, that's a fucked up way to think. 
I would see these 70 year old men still working in the plants that should be home with their fucking wife and grandkids hanging out, chilling, smoking stogies and drinking whiskey on the back porch in the afternoons, not working in a damn turning wood. And it, it, I felt bad for him, man. I had the biggest heart when it comes to shit like that. I'm a, I'm a stubborn asshole, and I really don't get that much empathy and sympathy, but I really feel for people that don't see the potential or the opportunity to to exit something like that because it will take a toll on you. And what started the Blue Collar Oscar is the guy I used to work with. He worked in the tool room. He was like 73 years old. He was gearing up to get, go hit another turnaround, another, another shutdown in a plant. And he died of a massive heart attack because he never set himself up for retirement. And I was like, man, it is not my job to work in the industry no more. It's my job to work on the industry. And that's what Blue Collar Line started at. You know, it, I'm going through some things. It's more of a motivation thing. I want to motivate people to kind of get out there, get out of their own way. Because most people, like you know, they they put up their own roadblocks in life. I I would do that, but oh, I can't do that. Oh, that wouldn't work here. I heard this shit my whole life. You know, you can't do this. Remember when I fought one eighty five? Dude told me, he said, "Bro, you too big. You can you, you can never make one eighty five." I said, "Best thing you ever told me." So I fought at one eighty five. Please, like crackhead, but I fought at one eighty five. But it, you know, it, and that's where it kind of started. Then, the, then the podcast. You know, I wanted to start empowering them and blue collar people, interviewing real people. I just want to have real talks with real people. You know, to kind of get their perspective on. You know, whether it's while they're while they're still in the industry, while they still working their fingers to the bone and hadn't hadn't said to start setting up a type of retirement, whether it's I'm not a big proponent. I ne- I will never like propose that anybody puts their money in a 401k or anything that's government driven. But like something, I mean, do something. You gotta do something. And you, you you nothing is not gonna do do it for you. You gotta do something. You know, you know. If you, if you want some ideas on what you can do to kind of start growing either a side hustle to generate extra revenue, to start putting the money that you're making into an avenue that works really well, that's going to generate that wealth for you. Because you do not want on, on the worst day of your family's life when you die, them not to have something set up. And they got to struggle with all the debt and liabilities that you've acquired because you just wasn't disciplined enough to put something aside for, for that day, you know. And, and and that's kind of where it got started, man. And I, it's not even about that. Everybody can be an entrepreneur, man. I, I even question somebody's thing. Can I fucking do it? You know, but you can't, everybody can start a side hustle to generate extra revenue to put up on the side or put into an avenue of, of for retirement. Everybody can do that. Anybody that has a, a half a sense could do that. So and that's kind of where we started. At, started. That's why I started that that uh that group was for that reason to help empower people, blue collar workers, to get out of that old mindset of, you know, working your fingers to the bone, working hard, working hard. You can work hard, but you work hard at the wrong things. You can um, humiliate on your deathbed one day, just regretting every fucking decision you made. And that is the worst way to die. Is on my dead on my bed, bed of regrets, man. I feel like it'd be the worst way to die. hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. That's the thing. There's so many different things you can do now. Not everyone's built to be an entrepreneur or own a business. It's fucking hard. But everyone can invest in their skills. Everyone can get more out of what they're already doing. Everyone can find a way to flip some shit or make some more money or do something to help set themselves up. And you're right. It doesn't have to be, you know, not not big proponents on relying on the government for anything. But there are investment tools out there. There are properties that you can invest in. There are ways that you can set yourself up for the future. 
Because you've got to stop thinking about yourself. You've got to start thinking about the people that rely on you. Wife, kids, family. What are you doing for them? That's what it's all about. So um, for anyone who wants to, you know, join Blue Collar Alliance or um, follow the podcast, what, where, how can we get them connected with you on that one? So on the podcast, it'll be on, uh, on YouTube. It's just on streaming on YouTube right now. It's at 601 Roofing King. And then on the podcast and on the on the Facebook group, it's just Blue Collar Alliance. I've been in the search engine and pop up. Then there's another one there. It's the one that's got like 2,500 or so uh, group members in it. So that'd be the one you want to join. Up. I, don't, I don't know. Let me talk to Mark Zuckerberg about that to remove that. Copycat. Get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> um, any any final words before we wrap up? Yeah, just don't give up. Don't, don't take no for an answer. Keep strokes um, moving forward. Um, check me out on TikTok and Instagram as well at 601 Roofing King. If anybody wants to follow me on Facebook, it's uh, hated to do this, but Facebook had to verify my identification, so they had made me use my uh, government name. So it's it's Brandon Marlbury, uh, on uh, on Facebook, and hopefully in the near future, that get changed back to Bubba because nobody knows me by Brandon. You know, I've had, I've had so many people that's known me for probably like 10 plus years inbox me, but like, bro, I never knew your name was Brandon. I was like, yeah, I know it's, it's illegal. But yeah, check me out. And um, like I said, don't give up. Uh, we, we live in a day and age where where resources are, are free, free resources. You can go on Google, YouTube, anything you want to know about, you can find it for free to get you started. Literally, I started this logo. I didn't get this. My first logo was created through a free app called Word Swag. Literally was a free app. I start. I had no reason. I had nothing. And I started with zero. I was negative $2,800 in the bank when I started my company. So the, the resources are there to get started. And that's all you got to do is get started, generate a little revenue, and start putting the shit into place that you need to actually put into place. Learn how to sell. If I could tell you, you need to learn how to fucking sell. Sales will change your life. You know how to sell already. You just got to perfect it a little bit. Everybody knows how to sell. Every man that's gotten married had to sell his wife to marry him. Every woman that's got married, she had to sell her husband to marry her. Sell. I mean, sales easy. We don't sell roofs. We sell education. We sell knowledge. We sell help. We don't sell roofs. And when you start selling like that, you take the, the money aspect out of it and actually start caring about the client first. We get so much further ahead. I love that. I think that's a great... Great note to finish on, my good man. Thank you so much for sharing some time today. And we will see everyone on the next episode. Cheers.